Everybody, ex podcast fan, welcome to episode number, no big deal, 50. 50. Ow. Episode this 50. is great. Look, we even have a cake. Look what I'm baked. We have a cake. Yeah. That, that's a purple baked. cake. It's purple because I it's think it's nice. Yeah. It's beautiful. A little off. This is a big day. I guess this it's is kind huge. of purple. <laughs> so we thought for 50, we would smash the cake in, in Tim's Russ's face. face. Oh, Woo! I'm go. the one that's holding the cake, so good try. <laughs> Man, this is crazy. It's 50 perfect. episodes. Yeah. It's like almost a whole year. It is. We're coming up on Next one year. Next month is one year. Also, the second episode in a row with cake. <laughs> it is. It is. I'm not eating this time. I can't we'll eat this it. time either. I, I, you guys should go back. We should do like a replay highlight of the shots where you two were sitting <laughs> next to each other. One of you was talking and, and one of you was smashing yeah. cake. It was trying to be subtle. It was very hard It's like you're just eating slowly. <laughs> I just, I don't know that eating and talking and doing podcasts go together very well. I think We've it's tried great. it a few times. I think it's great. It's fun, I, though. I like it. Uh, crazy. 50 episodes. So what's your, do you have a favorite mm. episode in mind, Russ? I loved, yeah. um, I love some of our spicy ones. Uh, we've had you a few. Would. I have. I liked, I really liked the beginning of the year where we talked about the power of no. As tragic as it was, we processed January 6th. Um, I love some of our ones on pick a bigger fight. Mm-hmm. Talk about passion. Mm. Some of the ones towards the mm-hmm. end of the year, uh, you gave me, you asked me for wow. one, but no. I like. No, you just very, keep saying I'll find one. At the very end of the year, that. we processed a lot of I think what we felt uh, kind of post-traumatic after COVID, yeah, and some of our emotional, mental, psychological journeys. And uh, for me, it's been a whole year. It's crazy how much we've gone through, but it's also it's pretty sentimental because it's kind of I feel like this has been a not just for other people, but even just for me. I'm like, this has been a really great anchor in the mm-hmm. craziness of this past year to be able to weekly have these kind of conversations. What about you? Well, you think about there just couldn't be a better season of life to, I, I think, just therapeutically have these yes. conversations. Mm-hmm. And so it's been very cathartic, I think, for mm-hmm. for me. Yeah, that's um, the word. I agree. I don't know. I, I think I can remember a couple moments. One of them was one I wasn't even on, and it was our podcast with Kayla, the one you, oh, yeah. you guys did. Uh, that one was pretty powerful. And I was like overseeing because we were, I think we were live streaming at that point. And I was overseeing the live stream and listening live. And Kayla shared um, the moment where she, like, where Aiden was having surgery on his brain yes. while he was awake. Yeah. And that moment, I'm sitting there bawling my eyes out over in the side wing. And just, I just love that we can have impactful conversations. Yeah. On just somewhere about, you know, we talk about, I love the political talk and I love the, you know, the dance we try to do around, (laughs) you know, try not to let everybody know where we stand on everything, but just the general, every conversation I feel like we've left having Mm -hmm. a higher level of thought. Yeah. Um, I don't, I don't feel like we're, I don't know. It's just been, it's been way more than I thought it would be when we started it. Yeah. What about you? Yeah. I don't, it's really hard to pick a, a favorite. Were you against the podcast when no. we were talking about it? Do you remember us talking about starting this? Mm-hmm. You and I actually started we were this in the podcast land. before. Oh, yeah. We had this podcast. This was 2019. No, or this, was, this was different. We filmed we started, it in a little office Yeah, room. we started this before we kind of really started this mm-hmm. one. So I was not against it. Um, I, was, I didn't want to do that. I wanted to do something different. Yeah, so yeah. I remember, man, I just, I'm, I'm with you. I think back, I think some episodes that we had 
I've enjoyed having some different people on our episodes when we had Joel mm-hmm. here and just talking yeah, about just, just that chain reaction of generosity, which was a cool thing that happened in our church. And My cousin was on. Yeah, I was going to oh, say yeah, Matt was, was here. Yeah. Um, so I've kind of just, I was going back and just kind of looking through some of those kind of episodes that we had, um, Kayla's story. Those were just pretty incredible. Um, I don't know. I think there's there's a lot of them that we can point to. I, I, I'm with you. I think kind of my takeaway from this, if you're someone who's listening or watching this now and you have been for a while, let me just say thank you because um, we tick people off sometimes mm-hmm. with things we say. We've kind of gone back. We have conversations. We also have inspired people. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, I think um, that was – you know, I don't think I was ever necessarily, we didn't know what our intent was. Like you said, we just wanted to kind of say, what would it look like for us to talk about things that we would probably most of which, not all, but most of which probably never kind of just process as a church through a, a Sunday or mm-hmm. through whatever, but what it would be like for us to say just as, as humans that have maybe our lens of faith, what is it to look like what the world is what the world's talking about, what everybody in our culture is wrestling with right now, and how can we speak to it from just an authentic place of faith, and um, but also as a human. Yeah. And so I feel like yeah. I feel like that's been our attempt. And so hey, so if we've offended you, uh, you can blame Russ, <laughs> if because uh, he usually is. Yeah, oh, but I mean, on. if we've offended Wait, now you, now I'm the fire one. Have, no, if we've offended you, I'm sorry. Yeah. If we made you. Uh, think a little critically and yeah. maybe a little bit different than you've always thought, then I, I think that was kind yeah. of our hope. It's not yeah. to tick people off, but it is to try to challenge if people. If you felt pressured or shamed to think a certain way, that's not good. Yeah. If we violated your echo chamber, that's okay. Yeah. yeah. So It's been fun. And, and I think, I mean, again, you know, we don't share these that often, but um, it, it's just, it has been really cool just to hear the stories. You know, we, we have, obviously we get heat sometimes and that's okay. And we know that um, it's been really cool. Even just over the last three weeks, we've received a number of emails and even just yeah. messages and comments on YouTube of people that said for the longest time they just felt like they didn't have a home for their way of thought uh, politically or in their faith. And for us to have the, the their words, to have the courage to step towards the nuance and talk about these things from a fresh perspective, they said has been so refreshing for their faith. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's really cool, you know. You never really know who all listens. Sometimes, like you said, so therapeutic and cathartic. But uh, I, I have friends and family that don't even uh, claim to follow Jesus that are out of state that listen to this. And then we're in Canal Winchester, about an hour away. It's fun to run into people and chill a coffee at Rose Coffee. So if you're listening to this, uh, I've not seen you in a while. Shout out to you. But <laughs> it'll be like, oh, we watch every week, right. and it. Well, we've, we've had people in our church that told me, I don't know if it's good or bad, but they said. Actually, I hate watching the news, so watching you guys is how I keep up with current events. It's <laughs> how I know what's, what's happening. We'll pray for you. Yeah, that's, but, uh, <laughs> I don't know if I'll go with that. But You think about the fruit that's come from this, too. When we started this, you didn't, you, you hadn't had a book written. You yeah. hadn't had a book written, and, and I had a yeah, whole different started. job altogether. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, I think that I, in a sideways way, I think that a lot of, of the conversations have pushed us even yeah. towards, sure. towards how can we – you know, engage with people on a whole new way. Yeah. And so we hope that this is more like a conversation, yeah. you know, that you can be a part of and, and you're the fourth seat at the table, you know, rather than someone just observing. Right. And uh, we can hang out with you not just on Sunday mornings, mm-hmm. but all throughout the week, uh, whenever you're in the car driving or mowing the grass or whatever you're doing. We're just so thankful for all of our family. But today we are going to get into a very intense discussion. Pastor Tim is going to give his <laughs> um, thesis on... Not. 
critical. Right after you take a bite. No, I'm right. not. I'm, on, not, I'm on not eating any of that. Critical cake. race theory. Go ahead. Okay. Right. <laughs> Just, not what we're talking no, about. No, we we we've been uh, kind of circling this discussion for a while on the calendar. Um, really about the whole idea of deconstruction, uh, specifically deconstruction of your faith. Yeah. And I thought that the lead pastor could take the first swing on this one. What are you talking about? And uh, and and you could just well, okay, well, I in, in your journey of how you've been deconstructing your faith, right? Where have you landed? Okay. Right. Well, ever since you, you know stopped what? following, this... Je- well, I'm joking. <laughs> Some, somebody just panicked in the right. room. Yeah. Oh my gosh! Um, I knew it. Let me just spit their coffee on this. You know, it's a um, deconstruction is a. I think in many ways a philosophical term, you definitely if you apply it to faith, um, or in our context it might be Christianity, we've seen, we've seen a lot of people throughout the years in, in both, let me just say, in uh, the limelight that have either A, deconstructed their faith and walked away from it, or some have deconstructed their faith and ended up with something different than when they started. For those who are wondering what what does it mean to deconstruct your faith or the deconstruction of your faith, uh, maybe the best way to describe it is to um, is like the the individual pulling apart of maybe the different things that you've just always held as true or you've always believed to kind of give a real um, kind of magnifying glass introspective look at what do I really believe and it kind of is. You know, I, I think maybe a, a good way to think about this is that you, a lot of us have kind of a belief structure, belief system that we, we carry that may have come from um, a variety of different sources a lot of times when we're younger. So, you know, your parents and what they told you growing up, they could mm-hmm. tell you the sky is blue because of this, or they could tell you whatever, or they could tell you, oh, I believe in, you know, God is real, and, you know, he does this and he does that. Uh, going to church or Sunday school or whatever it is that kind of kind of built up your faith. Uh, the reason why I think we're seeing today, and it's probably become more and more prevalent, um, the deconstruction of faith is because um, I think a little bit we have, um, we're hearing more about it through the internet, through social media and other things. I think people have wrestled with this, but, but it's becoming more acceptable in our culture to do this, whereas I think 20, 30 years ago it wasn't. Right. When um, you talk about it, it doesn't sound negative. It sounds. I, I very think deconstruction positive. of faith doesn't necessarily have to be negative. It, I've, um, I've observed. I think it all almost, of us have. You have. True. Mm-hmm. I've observed it almost as a verb, though. And you'll hear people mm-hmm. on the internet, sure. or you'll hear people talking about, "Oh, yeah, I'm. De- are you? Are you Christian? Are you? You know, what's your mm-hmm. faith? Oh, I'm deconstructing." Mm-hmm. Yeah. But people will use it almost as an identifier. Sure. Deconstruction is a verb. I mean, anytime mm-hmm. you tear something down that you had before, it is your. It's an active thing to do. Um, I, I think that it's really a questioning of like what what was there. I've heard mm-hmm. uh, described a variety of different ways. It's be like you have an old house that that maybe you you bought or something that it it needs. You go in and it's like the walls and the stuff. Is, parts of it are a mess. You have to rip off parts of it, but then you get down and maybe there's still some bones. There's still some structure that's good. And so then the hope with deconstruction is the other side, which is a reconstruction. Mm -hmm. Um, I I think there have been people who have gone through a process of deconstruction that have ended up walking away completely. Um, um, There's uh, there's a few names I can think of, but there are people that are kind of well-known that have done that. 
But there are also, I think, a lot of people, and you don't hear as much about that, that have deconstructed their faith uh, to, to then reconstruct it on something that is like more foundational or something that they really hold mm-hmm. is like, this is why I believe. And so I think there are answers that we were given as kids that might have been sufficient in that season. Yeah. Kind of leads into what I'm going to be teaching on, yeah. matter of fact, in our church and coming up in October, that as we get older, that it didn't suffice or yeah. they ran into a lot of what creates deconstruction of faith is a crisis, um, whether it's like, um, you know, somebody died or something happened and, you know, you prayed and you always believe that God would do something and if you prayed and then he didn't. Um, sometimes it's a crisis. Sometimes it, it's just a, a major change in life. Sometimes it's just uh, it, it's a, an offense. It's being hurt. I see a lot of people, you know, I think there should be a, a separation of understanding what does it mean to deconstruct my faith versus I'm mad because someone at this church did this or yeah. they said something and I don't agree with it. And I think the problem is those things mesh together in people's minds oh, and yeah. it's not necessarily very the same hard thing. when you're when your exposure to faith is, is through church people, context, just like people. all of us and mm-hmm. people are broken. Mm-hmm. And so there's things that we understand about church and Jesus that that can be broken. And so I grew up in a Catholic environment, yep. and there's definitely some things that um, I, I did more of. Deconstructed some things for yeah, sure. I did more of a total deconstruct. I'd describe myself as somebody who I think I always had like uh, I, th- I think we all have a yearning to know our Creator, but I think that there was always a desire within me to do to be a good you know mm-hmm. what how it was explained to me to be a good Catholic mm-hmm. yeah. you know. Uh, a good, good Catholic, a good, a good, mm-hmm. a good. I would say good Catholic boy, but that just sounds so strange. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but yeah. a good Catholic boy, <sighs> and uh, you know, but just the whole idea of trying to do things right and trying to get close to God, however it was explained to me. And so I did more of a of a complete deconstruction. And when you do that in a Catholic faith, it just it's kind of isolating, yeah. you know, and you you kind of pushed out of the pack. Yeah. I don't know if it's totally intentional, but that's kind of what you're taught to do. It's like if you're Catholic, you're if you ask every Catholic, unfortunately, the, the almost like the doctrine's so unclear that people have all different understandings of if you're not a Catholic anymore, then you must not be going to heaven. You're not right. a real right, you're not a real Christian. Only Catholic Catholics are the first Christians, and so therefore yeah. and no offense if you're Catholic and you're listening. I'm just telling you my experience. And the whole I, the whole process of deconstructing um, I was lucky because I had uh, then girlfriend who kind of could come around me and, and and introduce me to people who thought a different way and challenged me from yeah. this church. Yeah. But for people who don't have that, I can see how it's a really mm-hmm. lonely experience. And when you're questioning, I think that's you know from our context, I think we believe that's where the enemy inserts thoughts that that aren't true. And so I was wondering, have you have you ever? What's your experience? Have you deconstructed Russ? Because I know you grew up in a really mm-hmm. toxic Jehovah's Witness <laughs> culture. And so all those years of going door to door, I was yeah. just wondering how that's affected Well, one you. day when I was riding my bike Not around sure the cul-de-sac, humor translates. I, um, I was riding the bike and then, you know, uh, okay. what? Stop. Okay. Just stop. Okay. So, no, I, I, had, a, I had an incredible <laughs> upbringing. I think for me, deconstruction is more just um, – more, you know, I, I decided to follow Jesus in an early age, uh, in seventh grade. Mm-hmm. But what the anchors of what I, the anchors that were put in me then, the basics of who Jesus is and what I believe about Scripture are still here. But the fundamental understanding of how that all fleshes out, that's been a deconstruction over the years of how I understand theology, how 
the churches to approach the world? What does that all look like? That looks very, very different. And, and I even have some friends that um, I've known for a long time that will actually get nervous if we haven't talked in a while. They're like, you're really, really different. I, I, and I heard, I heard my favorite preacher, Judah Smith, said that. He goes, I hope a year from now I don't recognize myself. Because I hope that, um, in a way, that's what's, that's what's good, uh, in a sense, if it's being approached that way about deconstruction, is it means you're growing. It means you're evolving. It means you're not static in your mind and your emotions. You're, you're questioning. So for me, most of my recon- deconstruction and reconstruction had to do with uh, the pendulums I would swing on. Pendulums politically, pendulums of, you know, if, you're, if you are familiar with church context, things about the Holy Spirit. Uh, you, you know, a lot of people I feel like are on that pendulum of deconstructing and reconstructing. You, you hunger for this, then you see the excesses and the craziness of this, then you deconstruct all that and move to this extreme, and then you move back and forth. So most of my deconstruction and reconstruction has still been within the parameters of traditional Christianity. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I, think, I think what you said is really important about uh, making sure that you actually reconstruct on something. Mm-hmm. I, I heard, I'm trying to I heard a thinker talk talk about even Christianity aside and developmental psychology. There's three like phases we most of us go through. There's the phase we grow up and where we think we know a whole lot more than we do, mm-hmm. and we're really assured that our way is the way. There's not a lot of room for nuance. There's not a lot of room for disagreement. It's, everything's very very black and white. And then we grow up a little bit, and then we whether it's through crisis or whether through mm-hmm. being exposed to a different set of view, we we have kind of our night of the soul. We're like, wait. I, I, I actually have questions, mm-hmm. and I actually have disagreements, and we go through all of that. And the goal being, the hope being, that we get to the third phase, which is where we piece back something together, and we come to a, a peaceful version of ourselves mm-hmm. that has some scars, has some wounds, and has a more graceful way to view the world with a little bit more room for paradox, a little bit more room for tension. And I, I heard a thinker say, I thought it was interesting, he said, right now we live in a culture that's phase one and phase two with very little phase three. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and, uh, from a, from a faith context, I'll ride the coattails for a second on something, um, on the analysis John Mark Comer gave. I thought this was really interesting. It was helpful for me as he said it, this, again, this is admittedly coming from a follower of Jesus perspective, that there's really two types of deconstruction. Historically, there's the deconstruction. That's a really, really good thing as far as the faith context, which is Jesus was a deconstructionist. He radically flipped upside down the right. way the religious leaders of his time looked at the scriptures. Mm-hmm. The Hebrew prophets were deconstructionists. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Puritans, the Reformers, I'm about the Catholic faith, Martin Luther, Martin Luther he was a deconstructionist. Yeah. But the, the, the real the difference, though, that's, I think, important to note between that and what's happening now is historically deconstruction was people um, using scripture to cr- critique the corruption of the world and the church. Mm-hmm. What's happening now by and large, is people using the world to critique the authority of Scripture in the church. Mm-hmm. I think what's hard is is people who start their deconstructionism based off of this, the hurt. They've been hurt by people. And I think that what you're saying, I kind of agree, and I kind of am, am kind of colliding in my mind with some of the things you're saying. As far as if people in the church act in a way that is so hurtful, I can see how that would make you question the reality of the scriptures they teach. Sure. Mm-hmm. And so one of the things that's been very confusing to me in, in the Christian context and following Jesus is your relationship 
towards imperfect people. Mm-hmm. You know, the whole idea that God, um, that f- you can want to follow God so earnestly, mm-hmm. and in your desire to follow God so earnestly, you can be hurt so profoundly mm-hmm. by individuals. And I think that is a really hard, um, hard thing to settle in your soul. And mm-hmm. so, you know, there's a lot of people who come to our church or you talk to that have just been so hurt mm-hmm. by a church or, or this, you know, people that have given Jesus a bad name or the church a bad name by embezzling money or by being, sure. uh, you know, double, you know, uh, double-minded or, or having double lives or <laughs> however sure. it, whatever comes out or all these scandalous things that have happened because people are imperfect. I think that people who lose trust and people who... It, it is a hard thing to wrestle with. And so, yeah, no, it's, are you guys, because you're pastors, have you, have you ever wrestled with that or, or, or do you guys wrestled with what specifically uh, the way that relationships skew your understanding of God? How have you come to terms with that? So, uh, for me, it, everything you're saying is so valid because I mean, the, one of the closest ways that we encounter Jesus is through the Jesus in people. And one of the ways, especially when you're first growing up in your faith, is you're hearing the Word of God through your spiritual leader. So it is, I am not minimizing at all. That's why it's such a tragedy for a lot of reasons when leaders fall mm-hmm. or when churches are not imperfect but unhealthy because that can leave scars, it can confuse, it can demoralize. I think for me, see, to me there's a, a dual tragedy. It's kind of a tension. It's kind of like we, we always emphasize the importance on, in a faith context of being in Christian community and being plugged in to a church and being, because that's one of the greatest ways you encounter God. That's one of the greatest ways you stay healthy emotionally. That's when you're in the accountability of community. And unfortunately, you can see the kind of the sad pattern happen when people start pulling away. Mm-hmm. A lot of times in our context, people will stop serving. Then their attendance will become sporadic. And then eventually, a lot of times you won't see them. And then eventually you'll start seeing symptoms appear in their life. And then unfortunately, the way COVID hit, we knew that this would be a lot of, halfway through COVID, this would be a time when a lot of people decide, hey, this is my time to jump ship. What we didn't think about, or I didn't think about, is there would be a wave of deconstruction afterwards as well. And so people deconstruct for a lot of reasons. Pain, crisis is one of them. I think we also can avoid some people. Uh, their desires to live in a way that's contrary to Scripture. If there's a way thrown out that's contrary to Scripture, it's like, this is my perfect time to say, let me cast off all restraint. And then the third is there's a lot of disappointment or shallow roots. So all that rambling to say, there's this weird irony in which we extremely emphasize the importance of being involved in a community of faith to build your faith. On the flip side, something I'm curious what y'all think, but for me, and I could be wrong, something I feel like I've observed more and more over the last five or six years is a growing, and I'm not a judge, I have no data for this, but just something I seem to be observing is a growing percentage of people that at times fall more in love with the church maybe than actually Jesus. Mm-hmm. Which, what happens when the church lets you down then is then Jesus lets you down. And I think for me, for, for all of my flaws growing up and all the bad decisions I've made, I think... There's the great tragedy of leaders falling. Then right beside that, there's the equal tragedy of of a lot of people, and I'm speaking spiritually now, that may have never had their own genuine dynamic encounter with Christ. Because for me, if you tomorrow were to fall, and I just found out you'd been having nine affairs, 
Um, did if, if I were to find <laughs> if, if if I were that would be devastating, right? But I but I got to be honest, my I don't have a parasitic faith, right? Like God speaks to me through you on Sundays, but I have my own yeah. roots in Scripture through the week. I have my own roots in God that have been over many years, yep. and so as much as that would be confusing, as much as that would be deflating, that would not cause me to deconstruct. I don't confuse you with Jesus, exactly. I don't confuse you with scriptures. Mm-hmm. So, so, and understandably, people that are newer to the faith or exploring faith, that is confusing. Or necessarily a leader with the church. Right. Right? Because you can have leaders who can fall and leaders who can do things that end up being very contrary, contrary to, to those truths or those things that we hold very true. But it doesn't mean that I'm going to say, well, then church is like that. Yeah. Or all churches are like that. Or all leaders are like that. Or Anytime God must we, be like or that. Or God must be like that and make that analogy and make that jump. So I will say, though, there's an element of, you know, if you, I think there's a human tendency that's been around since the beginning to idolize people. Sure. sure. And so now, I mean, we are in a building where it is easy to look at the person on stage and go, oh, my gosh, that yeah. guy, I want, you know. Yeah. There's an, a sure. little bit of an element where... It's easier for people, especially in, I mean, I think it happens all over the place, but especially in this context, to idolize you or you or whoever's speaking on stage or whoever's singing on a microphone. Mm-hmm. And, but that's been around since the beginning of time. People sure. idolize people. Right. I think that there's a, you, I think people start to deconstruct sometimes because of the shame they feel in their own, they trusted someone too much. Mm-hmm. They listened sure. without having their own personal, um, uh, a zeal for the scripture or zeal mm-hmm. for understanding and they trusted somebody or they got, you know, too close with somebody or they, they feel a void in relationship with somebody. And I, and I think that that's real. I think that what, what makes it unhealthy for people is they don't forgive themselves or we listen sure. to a podcast. I'm sure you guys listen to it. It's the one we all listen to. Uh, talked about how to not be embarrassed, mm, you know, every yeah. time you make a mistake and how, and how, you know, you kind of have to hold those relationships loosely. You know, I, I, I'm friends with many people who, who, have maybe hurt me in a, in a spiritual context mm-hmm. and it's taken me a lot of time mm-hmm. and a lot of maturing through mm-hmm. people that can help walk me through it to go, you know what? Yeah. Some relationships are seasonal mm-hmm. and just because that person made a mistake, it doesn't mean that they are a mistake and it doesn't mean that God doesn't have future for them. Even right. It doesn't mean that God didn't use them profoundly in your life. So mm-hmm. I think that uh, speaking to what you're speaking of, I think there's an element of just forgiving yourself and, yeah. and moving on and not feeling like you did something wrong for right. for being a part of something that you, maybe if you could go back, you wouldn't have been a part of. Yeah, no, that's true. We, we have somebody right now in our church, and this is one of the things, and I'm biased, that I love about our church is we have a lot of people that are in our church right now that are deconstructing their faith and disagree with us, but are telling us we love being in a place where we know it's going to challenge the way we think and the way we live, but we don't want to and I think this is an important thing to glean. We don't want to deconstruct in isolation. Right. Or perhaps even worse, deconstruct with just a bunch of other deconstructionists. Right, right. Where we just end up in a cesspool of cool. shared grievance, and here's what we all— you, you, you don't want a pool of doubt. You want a, a space of safety yeah. where you can explore yeah. your doubt and not feel ashamed of it and not feel embarrassed by it, but you know there are people around you where you're not just trying to interpret Scripture in isolation and— yeah, I mean, there's a whole movement on, you know, all these like TikTok. You'll if you if you scroll too long in the wrong settings, they'll uh, you'll have all these deconstructionists show up on your on your page. And I was a part of a of an evangelical church, a large even. It's overgeneralizations. It's um, unfortunately people like to commiserate with the miserable, right? Yep. And so 
you have to, if you're wounded or if you're working through something, if you're going through a serious like deconstruction where you really don't know what you should believe and some of your, some of the, the foundations of your faith are shaken, mm-hmm. don't go to miserable people. Right. Like yeah. you have to make sure that someone's not miserable and looking for attention. Right. I think that that's spend, really important. If you spend all your time, uh, just think from a work standpoint, you know, if you think of the term deconstruction, it's right. If you spend all your time with people that just go in and their primary job is to tear out old buildings. Mm-hmm. Um, you're going to be good at tearing out things, mm-hmm. but you're never going to learn how to actually build something. Mm-hmm. You know, what does it mean to also spend time? You might deconstruct things, but what does it mean to spend time mm-hmm. with people who are good at building things, people who are good at helping you understand? As much as we could say people can cause or be a reason why some people might go into a, a I'm deconstructing my faith because I was hurt by this person, hurt by this person. Uh, the answer, I know it doesn't seem obvious, but the answer is not, well, then I guess I need to get away from people so that I can do it. It's no, no I need to still be around other people because it's, it's going, you cannot reconstruct your faith without other people. Mm-hmm. And maybe you find some people can. that have been through it, yeah. deconstructed, but then found the other side. I, it reminds me of G.K. Chesterton. He said the whole point of opening your mind is to eventually close it again on something solid. Mm-hmm. That he also said, I always thought it was funny, don't be so open-minded that your brains fall out. <laughs> and, I, and I think some people, uh, we advocate relentlessly on this uh, show, open-mindedness. But I think there's a danger right now in just thinking that truth isn't real. Right. Or that you can't have real roots. Mm-hmm. Well, it's- and, and, and there's this, 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 this danger of, and I, and I think a lot of it, it seems like a lot of people I've talked to, because I've talked to a lot of people recently that are deconstructing the faith, a lot of it goes to social issues and political issues. Yep. And where the church has traditionally fallen on stuff, uh, they've, not, they've been grieved by. Which is understandable as mm-hmm. long as you don't blame Thank God and Scripture for mm-hmm. the faults of churches. Yeah, yeah. I, I do think uh, one of the things that would be helpful to talk about. Um, again, we we didn't we don't pre-converse on these things, but I do think one of the things that would be really helpful to talk about is what are some healthy parameters for somebody who's deconstructing a portion of their faith or all of their faith. Mm-hmm. Um, like immediately, I just think of a few things. We, we've already said, you know, some, like don't do it in isolation. Mm-hmm. Um, and that doesn't necessarily mean it has to be, hey, go to this church and go to this church and go to this church and experience all the journey. It might be find somebody that you uh, respect the way they view life when it mm-hmm. comes to spirituality, when it comes to faith, when it comes to find someone that I would say, here, and say, well, how do I know if I find someone? Find someone where the thing Things that they say line up with how they live. Mm-hmm. You're going to find someone that's found something authentic. Yep. So you need to be around someone, someone that, you know, I think one of the primary things that we try to do here at, at the church where we kind of are part mm-hmm. of is that we always try to create a safe space for people who have doubts, who have questions. Yeah. We've said this for years and years and years that this is a safe space to come and explore to have questions, you don't have to believe in God, to be here, to belong, like all these things, because we want this to be, and we've talked about people who, who come to church here who mm-hmm. are in that phase of doing that, and one of the primary reasons why they'll come here is because they don't feel judged. Mm-hmm. People don't want to feel judged when they're right. going through a season of this, and I think that's mm-hmm. fair. I really do. I think that's what one of the things, and so not all, not all environments are going to be that way. And I'm not saying right. it's better than other, but I'm just saying that's one of the things that we intentionally try to create and foster mm-hmm. so that people... So people want a safe space. You need a safe space. That is not just a church. Let me say that's also a person or mm-hmm. people. Mm-hmm. Someone that you could sit down with and you can say, I'm struggling with 
how do I reconcile this truth that I've always been told with what I'm seeing in life, what I'm seeing in science, what mm -hmm. I'm seeing in this politically? Right. How do I reconcile this without worried that someone's going to come and go, I can't, you heretic, how have you lost all faith? What's mm -hmm. wrong with you? And I think, unfortunately, that has been the, um, sometimes that has been the collective and uh, response from, um, from church leaders and from different groups. I'm trying to, I don't, I don't want to make it specific about anybody, but that has right. sometimes been the, the rhetoric is like, oh, you, you don't believe that, uh, I was just talking to somebody else today and, or someone else or was it yesterday, and, um, you know, it's kind of like, um, you, you don't believe that, that uh, Genesis 1 is a literal account of the very first man, the first woman that ever, you were created. That's heresy. You know what I mean? And so because of that, if someone says, well, I'm, I'm just asking this question and right. I'm just trying to understand how does that line up with radiocarbon dating and like you know, all this different stuff we have in physics, you know, th th these are, that's a valid question. There's mm -hmm. a valid question. You should be able to ask those Speaking questions. Speaking of, you want to give a little, little promo? Uh, yeah, I guess. I mean, I'll, I'll, we'll do. We'll do it. Uh, maybe for our podcast. For, <laughs> yeah. So I'm doing a series. Honestly, did you think about? It? I'm doing a series. I think is going to very much speak to people who are maybe in a place of deconstruction of their faith. Mm -hmm. um, just talking about origins and how do how do we know that God is real and exists? Where did God come from? Where did our universe come from? What what are and, and not just um, and I think I think it's it's been I've had to go through a process preparing for it. That's that's not really deconstructionism, but it's. It's what are the, the, I think deconstruction doesn't necessarily have to be, it's not always all of it. Mm -hmm. I've gone through different forms of deconstruction mm -hmm. of what I've been told. Mm -hmm. I think a lot of times where you see it, and this is where it's coming up the most, is traditional views of things mm -hmm. that have been handed down to you that are attached to what, what I would say are the, the most important, the bare essentials mm -hmm. of a faith in Christ. And, and I, I'm kind of learning in some areas to go, wait a minute, I can separate these. These have nothing to do with how I view Jesus. This right. is how I've been told, though, that you accept this, you got to accept all of this, right. and these four creationist accounts that are short, you know, all these different things. So we're going to talk about those mm -hmm. a little bit um, in an upcoming series um, starting Well, because a lot of people 17th. feel like they probably don't have a space to think in the church. Yes. They don't have a space, like... It's been so binary and so this mm -hmm. or that that people feel like they don't have a, there's not a spot for them Correct. intellectually. Mm -hmm. I agree. And so that's one of the reasons why I wanted to do this. We also, um, one of the primary triggers for doing this series, uh, I wrote this down, this was what, a year and a half ago, uh, when I first was setting out to do this upcoming series, was that it was one of the top asked questions on a survey that we did for Christmas. Mm -hmm. What are people? What are people wanting to know about? And one of them was about faith and science, mm -hmm. and kind of how they meet, and how do they mesh, and how do I reconcile mm -hmm. what what we're getting from different yeah. camps? And so I, I think I think you need safe space, and that could be a person, it could be a church, it could be leaders, it could be somebody you know that you really respect. I think that's one of the things that you need. I think, and then I love to throw it out and see what you guys think. I think you you. And maybe that'll be part of that deconstructionism, but I think you've got to land as to what is objective and what is subjective. And I think one of the dangers is to reconstruct a faith that fits with a cultural, cultural narrative that you want to be true, you want to hold on to. And so I, I do think it's kind of important that there is, you, you get to a point where, and these are questions you'll have to wrestle with, what is my what is the foundation that I will hold? And, and it's okay to rebuild and say, I'm not going to take all of that yet. I'm going to start here. Right. Maybe who Jesus is. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm.
right? Yeah, that's I, a big one. Or I heard Bible, somebody. Some, you know, is it an authority yeah. in your life, or is it not? Or is it a shared authority? You know, you you like like is it? I don't use the term sola scriptura, which you see in Protestantism, mm-hmm. which is, hey, only scripture is, that is our authority, whereas in the Catholic Church, it would be that in the church, okay, mm-hmm. or church leadership. So I think you have to come down and go, what am I going to hold as objective and I really going to stand upon yeah. as I build? And then I'm going to deal with social issues, and I'm going to deal with political issues, mm-hmm. I'm going to deal with scriptural issues, or whatever it is. I'm going to deal with those issues mm-hmm. in light of that. Right that foundation. And yeah. I think that's kind of important. Yeah, I think what's really hard is is cultures moving. Yep. Uh, the, the cultural the cultural debate on morality mm-hmm. is how I'll put it. Mm-hmm. In the the ever shifting sense. And so I don't think I don't think that really there's a ton of pressure to really try to come to your own conclusion on where you get your morality from and what's the authority behind your morality. Mm-hmm. And recently I've had a lot of conversations with people who wouldn't say they believed in Jesus about where, they, where their morality derives from. Mm-hmm. And I think that you can't expect – a lot of people are deconstructing their faith because they, they feel in their heart that the morality of culture is more moral than the morality of Scripture. Mm-hmm. But really they haven't done a whole uh, – they haven't really done a whole recounting of, of where the morality of culture comes from. Yeah. Yeah. And so I would say that that's one of the great questions to ask is before you go on this journey of deconstructing, okay, where's your authority on your morality? What is your morality? How right. do you get it? Right. That's all I'd ask. And I think that those discussions that you have with people will, will be helpful before you start your journey. No, it's great because none of us want to be regressive in our mindsets. Mm-hmm. But before, on the other hand, we fall off the proverbial rails of progressive morality, it is worth thinking about the fact that what's considered, I mean, 50 years ago, um, sexual immorality would have been the great evil. Now it's littering, or not recycling. Right. Mm-hmm. I mean, morality shifts in every generation, so it is worth asking the question, where do I get my morality in the ever-shifting sands of cultural virtue and vices and morals? Right. Is it worth digging down to have anchors mm-hmm. and to actually mm-hmm. have roots? And so I think, yeah, you, you hit it. I think a few of the things that you would ask to me that would be healthy to ask is your, if you're deconstructing. One is your motive. Yeah. It, it's, it's worth saying, like, is, it, is this come from pain and crisis? And if so, that, that makes you human. Mm-hmm. But it's also good to keep in mind so that you don't propel yourself into a reactionary theology. Mm-hmm. Um, because... E- in the crisis, crises of life, sometimes the worst time to make life-changing paradigms and decisions. Yeah. So it's worth knowing your motive, and then it's worth knowing, um, because, you know, when you consider that there's a God, that then you, you can't avoid that, wait, so could I be held accountable? And so I think sometimes the motive is, can I cast off restraint, mm-hmm. which always is going da- to damage my, myself. Can I alleviate my conscience? Right, can I alleviate my conscience? Can I, can I not feel guilty and continue to yeah. do this because I've always been yeah. told that you're going to go to hell if you yeah. do that? So I think right. It probably falls under the camp of morality. Yes. And I think that, that what you're saying is valid. Of uh, So if, if I were to, to go on the journey of deconstructing, I think if I could talk to myself again, I would probably pull out morality and, and conscience in one camp. I'd pull out relationships in another camp, and I'd pull out the truth of Jesus on another camp. Because I think that I need mm-hmm. to first discover, uh, I think my relationships, what gets in the way of a relationship with God mm-hmm. in my life? What yeah. people, mm-hmm. who do I need to forgive? Who's hurt me? Mm-hmm. Uh, like, if, if There's a lot of people who have, you know, 
I'll just throw out one way too specific example, but somebody that I knew in a youth group growing up, that their parents were the ones that brought them to church, but the dad was sexually abusive to her. And so, I mean, yeah. when you have an earthly father that's so, mm-hmm. yeah. Uh, yeah. you know, that has hurt you so badly in such a profound way, mm-hmm. it's your only representation of a father. And so when you think about a heavenly father, how are you supposed to look at things any differently? Yeah. And so... I think that you have to pull out your earthly relationships and you have to work through the hurt that yeah. you, because we project that on God and on consciousness and on morality in the church. And so pulling out relationships, working through, okay, what is getting in the way of how I view Jesus? And then give him an opportunity, give mm-hmm. Jesus an opportunity yeah. and, and research it as open-minded as you can. Mm-hmm. And then I think as well, let that and your discoveries there form your morality and your consciousness. Because I think we because we think we're, you know, the, the newest and coolest and we're so, we've progressed so much as a society, we think that all the problems that we face are new. You yeah. know, abortion mm-hmm. and uh, same-sex relationships and um, all of these things that, that right now are the big questions, you know, uh, pedophilia, the acceptance of mm-hmm. it or not. or As a version of sexuality. You know, right, as a version mm-hmm. of sexuality or... However, you know, whatever you want to talk about. Changing your gender fluidity. Gender fluidity. These are not new issues. Mm -hmm. They're not new. You'll find them in civilizations going back to the Romans. I don't know. This is present. And so um, I don't know. I think that's how I would attack it if I was somebody who— Separate out different elements. That's good. I think, too, that— I think so. One of the things, just talking about that series we're going to do, is is probably going to be helping people maybe process um, probably the lowest level of deconstruction that you can. Mm-hmm. So let's let's start with okay, what what would make you think there is a God? Mm-hmm. I mean, before we get to a personal God or a God in the form of Jesus, right. like You're let's go even God. back right. that far. So, you know, again, that, the, the intent of that series is not, but I think it will speak to people who are in a process of deconstructing, deconstructing their faith. Mm-hmm. And, like, I, I guess I want to point out, I think that there's different levels to this. Yeah. There's a level of a complete teardown and an inspection of the footers that are in the ground. Mm-hmm. Okay? I, I think there's that. And I think you can then kind of, and it's okay to do that. I think you then begin to take what you have and you kind of build on that. So yeah. I, you're going you're to find if you were to lean into this series for five, six weeks, depending on how long we go, mm-hmm. um, that we're going we're gonna to walk through even some of those things where we'll even get to where did Jesus come from? Mm-hmm. How can we trust mm-hmm. that? How can we trust what we know of it, you know, um, and, and who he claimed to be? Yeah. And so I think, I think there's some very foundational things, which mm-hmm. uninten- unintentionally, even when I was set out to do this series, that I think might actually help people with kind of yeah. Putting in that foundation, I think all the rest of the stuff becomes layers yeah. on top of it. And, you know, because now, let's say, if you did come to a base conclusion that Jesus is the Son of God, that if there's a creator out there, that Jesus is the visible representation of that same God, mm-hmm. if you come to that, then you have a starting place, which is the things that he said, the things he taught, the yeah. way he lived, what yeah. he did with his life, how he gave his life, all these different mm-hmm. things. Even if you don't go to the resurrection yet, let's just go with that. The way he talked about loving your enemies. Mm-hmm. Again, this, this, this is, you know, gonna, you're going to start to build a framework for how you live. The way he talked right. about, we were talking about this earlier, that leadership is serving. 
Mm -hmm. This is a new framework. So, so you're going to begin to build some of this stuff. Right. Get into the, the nuance of this. Yes. At some point, you're going to have to wrestle the fact that Jesus actually said things about the scriptures. Right. Okay? So, so all of this builds upon it. And I think, I, I want to say that there is different levels of deconstruction mm -hmm. that I think all of us are doing. Yeah. So let me just say that. Um, I, and I think that there are. So with that being said, I wanted to throw out a question to both of you. Okay? I'll go first. So I won't make Keep you do this, but first, I want to throw a question to you. What, I want you to think about it right now, okay? What is something that you might be deconstructing about you your faith thing. right now? I was going to ask you. So I'll, I'll go first and say, here's one that I'll, I'll throw out there. Mm -hmm. and, um, I'm always literally throw anything out there because I just think as, um, I just think as, uh, you know, a pastor, there are some widely held traditional views of, you know, uh, what a pastor or a church or, you know, leaders should think or whatever. But this one's, I've got several, but I'm, I'm only, I'm going to mention one of them here. Um, I, I think what was handed down to me through my understanding in the church uh, when it comes to women right. in the place of leadership, mm -hmm. that is something that I would say for probably the last five to 10 years, I have been in a process of deconstructing what was told to me, which is, you know, I mean, again, you can look at specific passages, and I think this is part of what, you know, I hold the Bible scriptures as an authority. So I'm going to use that, but mm -hmm. there's knowing how to work through that, how to look for what is a cultural context that is being spoken to versus what is something that actually comes from the heart of God right. and not getting it twisted. And, you know, what I had been given, okay, was that, you know, you can look at some couple verses, New Testament, first Corinthians 11, some of the, Hey, the women are to remain silent in church. Well, we don't even do that aspect in our church, you know, um, that, that, um, that, um, that there's an authority structure. And I believe in authority structure. But how that presents itself when it comes to church and it comes to leadership, um, the traditional view is women would not be pastors. Would, women should not be in positions of authority over top of men or other things within the church context. And so that was just something that's like, you didn't even question it because I grew up and that's just what it is. I remember my, this is kind of like, again, for some people that hold that real traditional view, we, we might disagree at this point. Me personally, in my journey, we might disagree. I might disagree. Um, and that's okay. I think one of the things we try to say at this church, and if you have a trouble with it, then I think that's part of the problem today, is that on things that are non-essential, mm -hmm. th there's liberty when I say we, we, we're going to interpret things differently and you can, you can still, you know, you can still be my brother. Mm -hmm. Like you can still be my sister, even if we don't agree on these things. Yeah. Um, and so like, like I said, um, I remember, um, and she brings it up all the time. My, my oldest daughter, Lauren, when she was probably six, seven years old, eight years old, you know, and, and what, what do you want to be? What do you want? You know, you grow up and, and I remember she reminds me all the time is one time I said, well, daddy, I want to be a pastor. Mm -hmm. Why'd she want to be a pastor? Well, her daddy's a pastor. It's the environment she's grown up in. She loved it. She admired right. it. She looked up to it. And you said, and I, and I told her, and I told her, honey, <laughs> no, well, and it did. It was like by 10, probably 10, well, probably more than that, 13 years ago, for, you know, mm -hmm. something like that. And I told her, well, honey, you know, women aren't usually pastors and oh. this. And so she'll like, she'll tell me even Dad. to this day, she'll like, the time when I wanted to be a pastor and you told me I couldn't be. <laughs> and it's like. You know, and she and ran again, away from home. Like she ran away. Yeah, yeah. yeah I haven't, seen, I haven't her. seen her since. Um, we just celebrated her twenty-first birthday yesterday, actually. Mm -hmm. So, um, but it, so, so that was one of those ones that I think almost 
uh, reality of life, reality being that, reality of being a father of a daughter, reality of all these different things, again, those things didn't change it, caused me to dive back into mm -hmm. Scripture on what I understand and begin to go, wait a minute, mm -hmm. hold on. There were a lot of really incredible leaders that were anointed and called to leadership over men throughout the Bible, including in the Old Testament. Mm -hmm. Deborah. Deborah. You could go on and on. There was, there was women that were in those. In the New Testament, Paul speaks of women that churches, where he speaks at the end of some mm -hmm. books, about mm -hmm. to the church in your home, and talks about women and women leaders mm -hmm. that were, you know, different things. And so what I think I'd taken is just, this is what was given to me. Right. Mm -hmm. And what I just, this is traditionally, that was the traditional view of the evangelical church and all these things for years and years and years. Mm -hmm. uh, came to a point where after a lot of study, this was not just, well, what's that person saying? That person is saying what right. a lot of study, reading a lot of stuff, kind of brought me to a, a new conclusion that says, I, I don't know that that's necessarily true, that women, I, yeah. I feel like a woman can, and we have a woman on our uh, executive leadership team. Yeah. And uh, I mean, she's not a pastor, and that's just not her area, you know, that's not what area she went into, but she is a, she's one of our primary leaders at this church, and she adds something dynamic to the team. And so mm -hmm. it, it's, that's, that's, I guess, one small but, but significant yeah. deconstruction that I've gone through, I'd say, over the last 10 years probably. Mm -hmm. um, and I feel like for me, like, the older that you get and the more that you wrestle through things and keep an open mind, the more that the things that you don't hold with a closed fist, the more room for nuance I think you have. Like, for me, so I was raised Presbyterian, mm -hmm. which is very, like, um, I mean, get theological for a second. Like, that's very... Um, Calvinistic and once saved, always saved. I think Donald Trump was raised Presbyterian too. Was he? Yeah. I always knew we were. Anyways, believe uh, me. <laughs> so then I I gave my life to Jesus in the Assemblies of God. And if you know anything about a lot of spirit filled or Pentecost circles, I mean, for a while, and some of those are so extreme. I mean, if you stub, mm -hmm. you, if you could know Jesus, whole life changed, stub your toe and cuss, then you die. I mean, you know, tough luck. I mean, it's like that. And then when I was in Lexington, I went through this long, dark night of the soul of, like, reform theology and Calvinism for two years. And then I came out of that. And honestly, right now, I just think it's more complex than either side would care to secede. Mm -hmm. I, think, um, I think of what it says, and I think it's Isaiah, great is the mystery of godliness. Mm -hmm. Like, the more I get into it, the more I'm like, anybody that thinks they have the market corner on God is... is I'm going to get to heaven and feel like an idiot. Mm -hmm. So, so I, I've had deconstruction, reconstruction on some of those that I'm like, you know what? I've come to some place where I'm like, um, kind of like Ezekiel says he lifted his head to heaven when God asked him a question, said, God, you know. Mm -hmm. There's some things I've come to the place where I'm, I'm okay to say, God, you know. Mm -hmm. I don't know, and I can trust you with the mystery. Yeah. Um, I, I continue to, um, I don't know, if, maybe deconstruction is a strong word, but as far as like the intersection of faith and science, you know, 15 years ago, I felt like there was, um, you're, you're, you're either in the camp of the earth is 12,000 years old, or you uh, just are a, a heathen that believes in the Big Bang and it's millions of years old. And now I just think, I, I think the, the world's big enough for both. I, th I believe in that God created the universe with his words. I believe in every word of Genesis. I also believe the way that fleshed out, none of us were there. And there's a whole lot of possibility in the way that God did that. We'll that talk about also, that in a few weeks. Yes, we'll talk about that in a few weeks. Um, but anyways, <laughs> yeah, that's some of yeah. my... Also... No more. Yeah, that's okay. enough. I don't know. I, 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 
I agree with you. The more I've been in this, the more I've opened my hands and don't really hold a ton. Um, as far as the, we always say major in the major and mm-hmm. minor in the minors. Mm-hmm. And so when it comes to the minors, uh, as far as things like the beginning of the world and as far as I really maintain an open hand as far as, you know, the role of the church in, in, in modern day, you know, mm-hmm. I think that I, I'm really thankful for the entire body of Christ. I think yeah. as far yeah. as yeah. the way the church expresses itself, I think that there's certain expressions that I don't know would be healthiest for me at a certain point. But I think what I'm probably, I don't know if deconstructing is the right word or wrestling through right now is just my current context of just calling to ministry, calling to God, or ca- God calling you towards something, assignment, um, mm-hmm. I uh, God's sovereignty and the way that things free will. Mm-hmm. I think that I'm I'm super focused on like not that I not, we all aren't at some point in our lives, but like probably one of the first times where I'm like really trying to listen to God and do God's will in like a very like every day. I need God to tell me what I'm doing and what I'm not doing. Yeah, and there's some things that I I felt like God was telling me to do and I was about to do it, and then in the same way I felt like God told me to do it. God said not to do it. Mm-hmm. It's like, wait a second. I mean, to the point where it's like, God, are you serious? What? <laughs> to where I feel like I'm not doing en- like enough, or I'm not. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, God's been taking me on a on a trust journey. Yeah. I think so, mm. and I've been really daily trying to ask God what it means to be called towards something. Mm-hmm. What ministry looks like outside of a church building? Mm-hmm. I think yeah. for me, yeah. you know, things we talk about with people all the time. But yeah. you know, I I went straight from my first working uh, experience was really at the church. And yeah. so I don't, you know, unlike you guys, you've worked in, in other contexts before. I've never had that. And so doing ministry outside of ministry yeah. has been an interesting experience for me. So really just wrestling with, okay, God, what does it mean to, uh, to, to be called? What does it mean to, you know, I have these desires, but, but I don't know if it's like a part of what you want me to do. And so mm-hmm. uh, really just mm-hmm. wrestling through that. I think I, I used to probably have a more firm, um, a more firm understanding of what being called to ministry or mm-hmm. being called to minister. I think those are two, mm-hmm. two very similar and two very different things at the same time. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so I'm learning that. And so I'm a little. I think I've been a little humbled. I think over the past, you know, two months or however long this journey's been, just fleshing that out. And so I, I'm not sure if I'm actively deconstructing. Yeah. I'm really just kind of listening yeah. And, yeah. and walking step by step. And I think yeah. that God will God will open your eyes to new things. Yeah. And I'm thankful for that truth, I think, that you shared, too. It's like you have to, I think, at some point be okay with the mystery of it all. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. to go, man, God, I'd, I think I'd, I shared a story about um, with somebody about uh, Philip and his encounter with the mm-hmm. Ethiopian man mm-hmm. and and how intentional God was, and how random and sporadic He was at the same time, mm-hmm. and how God can. I'm trying to live out and understand that God can. God can call you, any of you listening, to a specific place for really just one purpose. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And you think about how God put Philip in that Ethiopian man's way, yeah. Yeah. and told the Ethiopian man to go and, and to. He really just went to worship because that's all he knew how to do, and because, you know, this like this encounter that they had together. Mm. And how intricately God was in that, and you see God's sovereignty all over that, and so that's that's huge ministry right there. And you did. also see the free will of Philip responding to it and doing it, right? Stepping into it, and neither go of them and, really go walk on that road right. south. Oh, he did. Yeah. Both of yeah. them really doubting, like, I, what you know? The thing about the Ethiopian man reading that scripture, what is it? Acts 
it's nine or six. Act Which six. one? Act six or Act nine? The, the Ethiopian eight. Man. Eight? Mm-hmm. Perfect. I think it is. I knew it. Anyway, <laughs> but uh, you, you just think about all the, right. you know, God says to Philip, go get in the chariot with him. Mm-hmm. God, did you really say that? Yeah, okay. So I don't know. I just think that... Yeah. Um, Trying to understand. Move over, man. I'm going to sit exactly. right here. What you're eating? And, and, and in the mystery, getting back to, okay, what what can I build on? Again, not to be oversimplistic, but by the way, because you mentioned Jesus, getting back to Jesus, great book. I, we know we've been talking mm-hmm. about I just finished Genius, Genius of Jesus, Jesus by Irma Manis that, that literally just approaches it almost from a secular standpoint. I mean, his inflection of faith is in there, but of just the person of Jesus, the, yeah. the winsomeness of Jesus, the compelling nature of just who he was. But Someone told me they were meeting with someone the other day who was deconstructing their faith. And I know this is a little simplistic, but they said, look, if, if you don't, if anything else can be an anchor in the season, it's this. When they asked Jesus to sum up all of the craziness of everything, he said, love Jesus and love people. You will never go wrong loving Jesus and loving people. And just to kind of close the loop on something, you know, you asked a while ago, not to pull us back there, but I think for anybody listening, first off, we're not experts, but I've had enough people that have reached out to us of like resources that I'd love to just mention a couple mm-hmm. that I even I know for me, I'm not actively in the middle of deconstruction, but have been so helpful for me in this cultural moment. One is the brand new book by John Mark Comer, Live No Lies. Mm-hmm. It's an incredible book. Yeah, Another one, one of my favorite authors, A.J. Swoboda, maybe we can put this in the show notes. He just wrote a book that is one of, I've heard, I haven't read it yet, one of the best books for those walking through de- deconstruction filled with nuance, compassion, and truth called After Doubt, or After Faith, one of the two. Anyway, we can Google it. We can put the right one in the show notes. Uh, Mark Sayers has one on Reconstructionism. But I think when you're, when you're look, when you're, if you're walking into re- to deconstruction or reconstruction, I think looking at your motive, I think just, just to double back, making sure that you're not deconstructing in isolation or with only deconstructionists, mm-hmm. um, that you have some people around you that maybe disagree with you but have gone ahead. And this is going to sound old school. Maybe this is the, the pastoral side of me. But I think um, one of the things that's helpful is, uh, is to realize that you can have an incredibly high view of Scripture but have a not-so-high view and trust in the way people have always interpreted Scripture. Mm-hmm. And so maybe, maybe this is more just specifically for the, the Jesus follower. I, can I just, I would offer a challenge. Find a way to throw out the bad applications of Scripture without throwing away the authority of Scripture. Mm-hmm. Because you're going to need roots in the world. I, and I'll tell you just a really small way that I've, I've seen this flesh out. Even just recently, I was having a conversation with someone. I'm so thankful for all the language we've put around healthy boundaries, relationships, emotional health. But there's a lot of like buzzwords right now, like, gaslighting or boundaries is really big. And all of those things are really important tools. But I I even told somebody the other day that would claim to be a follower of Jesus that I I said, I'm going to be honest, in a lot of what you're saying, I'm not hearing your primary goal be to love people. Mm. I'm hearing your primary goal to be boundaries. And if scripture fits into that, cool. And and I told them, and this may sound a little harsh, I, I, I said, it seems and it feels like to me that you are interpreting scripture through modern pop psychology yeah. instead of interpreting modern pop psychology through scripture. And I, I just think the more that we uproot the roots that really anchor people to learn how to be human and live healthy, integrated lives, I think uh, if there's any ounce of you listening that ha- has ever had a trust in the authority of scripture, what does it look like in this season to just consider maybe you've seen people horribly apply it. Yeah. Or horribly interpret it, 
But I would say, whether it's scripture or whatever it is, all of us need an authority, something higher than ourselves mm-hmm. that we can anchor values and morality and truth from. Yeah, it's good. It's, it's good. good. And um, I don't know. I think this is a solid conversation. It's challenged me in many ways. I think for maybe for the one year's episode, we got to really think of something spicy to talk about. Let's do it. Like whether or not Jesus would get vaccinated. Mm. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> I'm over it. And if yes, would it be Pfizer <laughs> or Moderna or Johnson and Johnson? Oh, my gosh. <laughs> just kidding. Or Israel's. <laughs> or what? Israel's. Israel's. Yeah. Um, man, just uh, real thankful for you to fit the episodes in. That's Crazy. really wild. Wow. It's um, an accomplishment. That is a huge accomplishment. It is. Yeah. I mean, 50 anything is really good. Mm-hmm. 50 years. You know, yeah. I'm not 50 years old. <laughs> yeah, thanks. Nice try. <laughs> but we're glad you guys have come hey, along. I think, I think too, one of the things that we've tried to just at closing out, we, you know, one of the things that we would say is that we're very appreciative of everybody who has engaged with us during yeah. the, just even this first year in this journey and all these episodes, whether you were mad about something and didn't think this was reflected well or whatever, that's fine. Or it really is, like you said, we, people wrote in and said, it's great to find people that, you know, this is our questioning or asking things that I've struggled with in the church, whatever it might be. I would just say we'd, we'd love to hear. We would mm-hmm. love that. Even whether if you are in the process of deconstructing your faith or an element of it, hey, this is something that I've just really struggled with. We'd love to hear that. Maybe if we get enough of them, we, we can actually do a podcast where we can actually talk about some of those ones and where we landed on them. Also, if you, can we say this? I don't know. This is the weird space we're in. But if you, no. if you, uh, if you get offended, um, don't hold the church responsible for what we say. Yes. <laughs> this is not. I don't know this if that's is just like... us. What are you doing? Don't okay. ruin it. So we, we got this cake. It, are not. we really going to? Yes. We have several people here that also, by the way, we should just say, we have Shout out to like Lydia oh, yes. and Hannah and Maria and other ones that actually help us yes. pull this off every single week. And so the no, this, is heroes. this is partial. This is their cake, too. Lydia, mm-hmm. do you think, somehow tell me, do no. you think I should put this into Pastor Tim's face? She did yes or no? no? She said yes. That is what she said. That's what she said. Yeah, she just, she, she said that. All right. All right. For, the, for the show? Yeah. No. Do you love Jesus? I actually have to record the video. <laughs> We could probably reschedule, right? No. <laughs> Anyways, well, I would just say let us know. We want to hear, though. We want yeah. send us an email to podcast at the X uh, Church, or you can also we we look at them um, whether you want to leave comments on YouTube or things like that. We've been able to see comments, you know, and things like that, and engage. And we just we don't want to do this in isolation. We want to do this with other people. So, thank you to everyone that's made this so special. We love you, and we will see you. For episode 51. 51. Yeah. See you next time.